You're listening to Reach Teach Talk with Nat Dane. Welcome to another episode of Reach Teach Talk. I am very excited about today's episode because we're going to be taking a little personal uh, turn on this podcast today with a very heartfelt and very open uh, conversation about individuality and about what brings, what makes all of us special, what makes all of us unique, what makes all of us add to the overall texture and the fabric of, 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 of human society. And oftentimes, I live in Europe right now, and I live in London, and I some of my greatest memories of living in Europe are sitting out on a plaza in you know rural Spain, a village of 500 people, and it's 10 o'clock at night, and it's summertime, and you know a lot of you will get the idea already. It's you're sitting out there, you're you're the adult, you're eating at, at a table, you're drinking some wine, you're just enjoying the the con- you know conversations flowing among other adults, and of of all different you know, kind of ages. And in the middle of the plaza, you've got the five to twelve year olds playing football, playing soccer, with that with abandon, you know, boys and girls and kids of all different abilities and all different athletic abilities and all different types playing football and it's 10 o'clock at night and the adults are not even casting an eye to those kids. They are just on their own and they are absolutely having the time of their lives knowing that should anything happen, should a kid trip or should a kid, you know, find himself or herself in a situation that's just not, you know, that, that, that gets the attention of any of the adults that they would jump up and they would take care of the kid. But those kids are independent, they're learning independence, and they're surrounded by adults. And then, I don't know, let's, let's just say, all of a sudden the kids notice out of the corner of their eye that there is a very dignified-looking older couple coming down the stairs. Let's say this dignified couple is about 90 years old, both of them, husband and wife perhaps. Definitely, let's just say they're husband and wife. You know, husband's wearing a flat cap, his shirt's tucked in, he's wearing a belt, he might even be wearing a tie, and the wife is looking beautiful, her hair is done, she's got the cardigan sweater, and she's walking down, maybe with a cane. And they are walking down with dignity, and their, head, their heads are held high, and their dignity is reinforced by these kids who suddenly stop playing football, and they look up, and they say, Buenas noches, senora, and senora, senora, buenas noches, welcome, it's nice to see you. And they return, and they say, Buenas noches, Mateo, buenas noches, Jose, buenas noches, Susana. And they understand that there's a connection. They know the kids, and the kids know the adults, and you've got multi-generational living, and you've got this community, a true, authentic community. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, actually. And the subtext of this podcast is about the importance of community and community that embraces everybody because we're living in a, in a society, certainly in America, where, you know, if you're of a certain age, you're in this area of the community. If you're a certain ability, you're in this area. If you're a certain ethnic type in certain cities, you've got different areas for them. And, and in certain ways, it's great. You've got Thai town, Japan town, you've got all sorts of different areas. But there's also something amazingly important about connecting, connecting with each other, connecting with people who are different, Republicans, Democrats, you know, people of different mindsets, people of different ideas, because we need to embrace the individuality in ourselves. We need to understand and discover the special in our own needs. And today we're going to be talking specifically about special needs. And I'm, I'm the brother of a sister, an older sister who has special needs. She just turned, turned 50 and she is thriving and she's living independently in her own community. Um, and I've got nieces who also have special needs and what they bring with them is really undefinable. And this conversation today is going to be to talk, it's going to focus on talking about autism, talking about special needs. But if I'm doing this right, 
and with my particularly with my amazing guest today, if I'm doing this right, we're not going to be talking about what we already know, right? We're not going to talk about one in 100 kids born today are autistic. We're not going to talk about, you know, what's the cause, what's the root cause and all that stuff because you know what? Who cares about the root cause when you've got a person in your life who has autism and who is giving you so much more in return than one would even bargain for. And I'm speaking with passion um, and I'm speaking from my heart when I'm talking about what my sister has has given to me growing up and in my young and also adult years with her special need. And, you know, if nothing else, it's this idea that we've all got special needs and we've all got special traits and talents and discovered and undiscovered. And today is going to be a little bit of a deep exploration into what makes us all special through the lens of Susanna Peace Lovell, who is a, a mother of a 13-year-old beautiful daughter, Arizona, and she has taken her experience raising Arizona. Oh, I, did, I just thought about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> she just took her experience raising Arizona. Great movie. Um, and and applied them to uh, her new consultancy group, a parent coach. She's a parent coach for parents of special needs kids. So we're going to, again, we're going we're gonna to dive into the personal. We're going to dive into the heart of being a parent of somebody with special needs, being somebody who is the respon- responsible for somebody with special needs. And we're going to look at, yes, Arizona. We're going to talk about Arizona. And we're going to talk about also what Arizona has added, Susanna, to your life. And, you know, what I'd love to do, first of all, is just welcome you. Mm, thank thank you, you for being yes, here. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here, and I'm so happy to see you, Nat. It's wonderful to yeah. see you, Susanna. This is yes. just this, this is wonderful. And, you know, I just want to start off with basically who is Arizona? Who is Arizona? Mm-hmm. So Arizona, <laughs> simply put, is my daughter, right, um, in the form of things, right? So here we are on Earth I am a human being. I gave birth to this human being, Arizona. Uh, And so she is my daughter. She is also, to me, just this this being of of light. Uh, And she has, you know, I think we always hear parents talking about their children being their greatest teacher. And that is that is so true with Arizona times. infinity. And not only to me, but, you know, if we're talking about community today, it's just, you know, sort of a ripple effect through everyone else whose lives I am touching too. So Arizona is uh, my greatest gift. I, you know, was reflecting a little bit on my way here, knowing that I was going to be talking about her today. And it always, uh, you know, brings me back to the beginning of when I first found out that my daughter was different and um, that she would potentially have a different life trajectory than most uh, families that I knew of. And I I always love to have that, you know, trip down memory, memory lane because it makes me appreciate so much what is right now, which is, by the way, nothing I thought would be possible back then. So I love that. Uh, reflection. And um, so Arizona is, you know, this soul that decided to meet up with my soul in this lifetime. And I have been given this opportunity to guide her, to take care of her, you know, certainly her basic life needs, but also to learn how to honor her and appreciate her and create an environment for her in which she can be holy and completely herself. And then as a fun side note, learning how to 
honor myself for exactly the same reason. So that is Arizona. My darling 13-year-old teenage daughter, you know, in full puberty. (laughs) I mean, it's just like autism and puberty is really that combination specifically. And then I'm sure I'm like premenopausal in in some sort of way. So, you know, late 40s. So it's, it's, it's all, it's fun times, you know, it's fun times in our house. Single mom, right? So right, right, right. it's me and her. Right, right, right. The broad definition of fun. Yeah. Uh, it's a very broad definition. Yes, yes. Um, and and, and I, I'm curious because you, you were saying that she's 13. She's, she's on the onset of adolescence and mm-hmm. puberty. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you've noticed, like, I think about communication, right? Because mm-hmm. I remember times where my sister would be growing up and she would get sick or she would be also going through adolescence or something. And she didn't have the language. Lynn did not have the language to communicate. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what's going on in me. I'm feeling this. Or I'm just grumpy because, oh, man. Like, mm-hmm. they don't, at least my sister doesn't, mm-hmm. d- doesn't express through words mm-hmm. as much. And mm-hmm. that was part of her autism was as, as definition. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you can explain about, you know, just, just let's, the communication? Like, is, is that a ch- specific challenge as a, as a mom to with a daughter who's autistic? It, there, yes. And, and it's um, I'm glad you made the distinguish about distinct. Uh, you know, I'm glad you made the distinction yeah, distinction, distinction. Um, around communication because my daughter happens to be verbal, and um, that. But and this was not always the case. So when she first uh, started talking, um, she had words, and so she was able to express sort of words and phrases, but she could not communicate. So there was no receptive language. Um, ability, 0%. So if I asked her a question, even a yes or no question, she could not respond. If I said her name, she could not respond. If I, you know, asked her if she wanted to eat, you know, something for lunch, she couldn't, you know, tell me yes or no or what she wanted to eat. However, when she decided that she wanted to express herself, she could But it was really if she felt like it. And it was typically like in the other room, you know, staring at a wall somewhere. I could hear sort of a little voice like, want chips, you know, or something. Right. And so I'm like, oh, okay. So let me go see what. So she never seeked out uh, conversation, communication, um, certainly engagement of any sort of, you know, relational talk. Right. So. So that was sort of the big, big red flag in the beginning um, of, so how am I supposed to have a back-and-forth relationship with my child, who, by the way, can talk, but in a different kind of way? <laughs> was there, you know? let me just, just to get clarification, was there nonverbal, uh, like if you were to say, would you like some chips, would you, before she would go into her room, would you note? Would there be sometimes any sort of like nodding or eye contact? I'm just going with you know basic question here. No. But it, so no. Okay. No. So no, no response. No response. Right. No. No reciprocation, as you say. Yet it would come out perhaps later. Uh, you know, when she goes into her room or something, and then you hear her say "want chips." Right. Uh-huh. So it's like the timing would be different than like our conversation right now, Correct. which is reciprocated. Right. Correct. How did that make you feel? Well, you know, this was before I realized that she was on the autism spectrum. So, about how, sorry, how old? About so how old she was, was probably just around two, one and a half, two, mm-hmm. two and a half, when she would be talking uh, about different things throughout the day. And I just remembered thinking, 
she she's just kind of you know sort of in her own world. She's a little stubborn, you know. She never wants to come to me when I ask her to come to me. She just you know was so involved in her own thing, you know. She was running around the house, you know, <laughs> carrying one stuffed animal to one room, then taking another stuffed animal and stuffing it into my bathroom drawer, and then taking you know. I mean, it was it was it was unique and different. And I didn't know um, really what was happening other than I was like, oh, this is sort of interesting. Um, But she was my first child. And actually at the time, most of my girlfriends, actually, yeah, 99% of my girlfriends didn't even have children. So I was sort of the first leader in the pack to have a child. And so I just didn't have much context around me. And I, you know, I have four siblings. I have siblings who have multiple children. So I'm around children Mm -hmm. a lot but when it's your own I think it's a different sort of you're just in it you're just like how am I okay I got to change this diaper I got to sleep train I got to make sure you know she doesn't catch you know a cold you know so I I wasn't thinking so much about I think maybe if she had never spoken if she didn't have any words at all I would that would have been sort of a red flag certainly you know at our yearly pediatric visits right but she was talking it just it was in a different way did you so. feel did you feel connected to Arizona? Um, like at what point did you can you remember the first time you truly felt like you connected with Arizona? That is a great question that I you know, I have always felt connected to Arizona, I think because I just have this sort of motherly instinctual sort of nurturing, um, way about me just in life in general. And so whether I knew she was connecting back to me, I it that was moot. Like I just knew that I was able to connect with her. I will say, though, that there was a specific – I remember this very clearly. She was maybe five years old at the time, five. And she answered a question Um, that I posed to her a yes or no question for the first time in her life. So we're driving back from, you know, this early intervention sort of preschool program, therapeutic preschool program. And I asked her a question, you know, talking to her all day. I'm like, oh, do you want to, maybe we should go to the park. Do you want to go to the park? And she said, yes. And I was like, "Uh, wait. Stop the car. I did. I did, Nat. I pulled over because I was like, is this a fluke? Did you just happen to be just speaking at the time and saying yes? And I asked her the question again, and I said, do you want to go to the park? And she said, yes. And I was like, and then I just started throwing questions at her. (laughs) I was like, you got it. (laughs) And so I asked her like 20 in a row of yes or no questions. And she was like, no, yes, no, yes. And I just, you know, the water work. I mean, I just was like bawling my eyes out. And was she looking at you in the eyes when you're asking those questions? Was she feeling a sense of there's something shifting here? Not, no, no. The the eye contact was not quite, was not yet there. And that is actually something we still work on, you know, even, you know, as, you know, as a 13 year old. So that was not there. But I, I think she could tell that there was something happening because all of a sudden then we're just like back and forth. And pretty much from that day forward she never so once she learns something she holds there's very little regression with her so she learned it she got it and now you know unless she's you know watching youtube or something and is (laughs) is like tuning me out on purpose like any 13 year old (laughs) yes you know um she will 
mostly respond to me. And that is something that I, I really was not sure would be possible. That's something that so I'm, I'm inferring here that that's something that you you had to accept, right? When during the first five years, certainly that this might be the forever reality, that you might never have that kind of you know call and response uh, uh, communication. Yes, and that's got to be tough. I mean, it's not for any of us to not yes. have a reciprocated, like, right? I mean, and if it's your own daughter. Like. Right, right, because we are connected. I mean, I can't just stop being your friend, right? Um, I, I, yes, it was kind of, it felt a little bit thankless, you know, to me. And I, you know, sure. but there are so many things that I thought she would never do. I, I thought she would never be potty trained, right. do you know, because that was a very long, arduous process because she it wasn't connecting for her yes. mind and body so um so she's potty trained today <laughs> you know what i mean but yeah. but i i wasn't sure that she would be and so i had to think about okay so what does this look like you yes. know yes. um i don't know i'm not sure but we'll just you know try to to, to go one step at a time yes, yes. one day at a time and that was very difficult one day at a me. time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, uh, adjusting to that mantra, one day at a time, was difficult for you? Is that what I just heard you say? Yes. It just, every second of parenting for me is, was or is, depending on the day for me now, but it certainly was just tor- a torturous uh, <laughs> experience because I think it was largely because I didn't know what I was doing and there were so there were so many unknowns and I am just like a control freak in general you know I mean I'm a Capricorn I'm part Asian I just I can't you know I'm just sort of built this way which is no surprise that I have the daughter that I do really and uh, but I you know I just felt so helpless I'm like I don't even know what to do because I don't even know what this is you know I'm not sure what this is was there anybody then who, and at some point, at what point, who actually was able to give you a definition of what this is? I mean, ultimately, yes. You know, a developmental pediatrician, a psychologist, you know, gave us sort of a formal diagnosis um, or rather eligibility for services under the autism spectrum disorder, ASD, uh, diagnosis. But it was really uh, one of my sister's who called me. Um, she's an educator. She has, she had multiple, she had a few children of her own at that point. And she called me up one day and I, I'm certain that she was the family representative. I'm sure everyone was t- talking about it. And, you know, it's a bit, that's a, it's, it's, it's a sensitive thing, you know, it, that's really hard. I mean, I'm sure it was so hard for her to call me. And she said, you know, Susanna, we, I've, I've been thinking about Arizona and I just, you know, I'm not sure what it is, but there's something different about her. And I said, okay, well, what do you mean? Tell, what do you mean by different? And she said, well, it's just, I don't know what it is, but I, I just know being around kids, there's just something different. And so I think maybe you should look into that. And so, you know, immediately I knew that she was right, but I was also so in so much fear of like, what does that really mean? And I said, what, what, what am I supposed to do? You know? And she said, well, I, I think maybe you should start with your pediatrician. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Sure. You know, I, sure. I didn't even think, you know, I, we don't know. <laughs> you don't know what you don't know, right? So so I started there. I started with 
calling my daughter's pediatrician. And that was tough because he was like, no, she's fine. Everything's fine. There's nothing quote, quote, wrong. I mean, she hit all her developmental milestones. She has words. She walked at 12 months. All of these things. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a checklist, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so she crossed all of those, you know, things on the list. And I was left with nothing. So it it, it took me, you know, some time to get to the right place, but ultimately and eventually I did, mostly because I was quite tenacious about it. And I I just also was driven by this internal gut feeling of mine as a mother that something was different. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. didn't know. I didn't know anything about autism, really. I didn't know anything about, I I, I mean, I just, I, I had never even known anyone growing up with a child who, I, I remember, you know, a, a close family friend that had a child who had some difficulty with speech and language, but I, you know, we just, it was not something that we knew about growing up. And uh, certainly in, in uh, the Taiwanese culture, we just, you know, there's, just, there's barely even a, a word to translate autism. You know, I had to have that conversation <laughs> with that side of the family. It's very fascinating. Yeah. Um, anyway, all of that to say, you know, it was, it was a process, it was a journey, and it was not a warm and fuzzy one, you know. Did, did, did receiving the label for the first time of autism for Arizona, how did that make you feel? Well, it was sort of this roundabout way to actually receive the actual uh, ASD, autism spectrum disorder diagnosis. First, it was like, oh, well, there's sensory processing issues. Oh, there's dyspraxia. Oh, there is motor planning, you know, So it looks like they were doing the very specific, like, components, but not lumping it all together? Correct. At first? And I think maybe because <laughs> that is a difficult word to hear, and I think professionals understand that. I... Um, you know, was told that she had autistic-like behaviors, right? <laughs> That's as gentle as you. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And so I said, I, okay, you know, what? okay. Um, I, I took her to the Westside Regional Center uh, and had a full assessment done by a psychologist there. And that was a tw- that was probably the worst experience um, of that period of time because she was an older woman who really did not have any bedside manner, and I think I needed that really badly at that time, and I took Arizona to get assessed, and right away she looked at me, she's like, well, this looks a lot like autism, but but you know that, right, Mom? You know, you know that. And I was just like, no. I mean, that's why I'm here. I don't know anything. And it was just a joyless, colorless room (laughs) without any toys or color or anything, and she's just telling you know, Arizona to do all of these things. And she's like, grab the comb. And and I was like, oh, but we don't use the word comb. She's never heard the word comb. Like she's heard the word brush. She's heard the word, you know. So it just, she was like, yeah, she can't. Nope, nope. Yeah, look at that. Autism. I mean, just very, <laughs> I mean, perhaps she was on the spectrum too. I don't know, you know. And that's something I've learned to, you know, sort of be gentle about. And, you know, in terms of people that I meet that, maybe can't quite connect. But either way, it was a difficult, difficult, very, you know, torturous emotional process for me. And um, and I'm actually quite happy that I am <laughs> sitting here in front of you today because I, you know, there were definitely periods of time where I was like, I just, I'm so depressed that I cannot imagine 
moving forward with my life and being happy and having any sort of thriving relationship with my daughter and certainly not with myself. So anyway, let me just acknowledge that right now as I'm sitting here in this room with you because it is a, you know, night and day for sure. It, it really has been an experience, a journey, the way you're describing it as also trying to find hope and finding hope when you're, you were flying blind in a sense, right? I mean, this is, as you said earlier, like, you know, there's not even a word for autism in Taiwanese, really, really. That really sums it up. And that's your extended family mm-hmm. and how you've grown, how you've been brought up. And this idea of just feeling alone and looking, that's why I asked you before about, you know, how did it feel to get the diagnosis, to get the label? Did that open up suddenly a new community for you? And, or was that a period of acceptance? And I guess my, my question is, Mm-hmm. Susanna from mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 14 mm-hmm. years ago, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Susanna today, mm-hmm. uh, acknowledging this journey that has been full of challenge. And that, as we know, and I think we've talked about this in the past, you know, it's through the obstacles and the confrontations and the real dark nights of the soul that happen to all of us. Yes. Right? All yes. of us yes. at points in our lives that we either emerge flourishing, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to bait your answer, by the way, because mm-hmm. um, you might not be flourishing, but you yeah. seem like you're flourishing. Um, mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you can go the other direction mm-hmm. and wallow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean to put the onus on the person because mm-hmm. life can also throw incredibly hard um, challenges mm-hmm. and, and wallowing is the only option, really. But mm-hmm. you know what I'm getting at. So Susanna from 14 years ago today, mm-hmm. would you, how do you describe you 14 years ago? Mm. How do you describe you today? Yes, 14 years ago, and specifically because I was so, you know, hell-bent on becoming a mother, first of all. I mean, just my whole life I wanted to be a mother to lots of kids. And so 14 years ago, I was just starting the journey, right? I was newly married. I was, you know, getting ready to just fill my house full of kids. And, you know, I just had this idea that my children – would be raised the way that I was raised because I turned out just perfectly, amazingly well, you know. <laughs> Fabulous. In my, right in my presence. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I was like, you know, I learned how to behave well. I learned how – I learned social skills. I learned how to, you know, be polite. I learned how to get straight A's. I learned, you know, all of these things. Okay, so I know how to do that. I'm going to, you know, pass that on to my, my mini-me's, all my mini-me's who <laughs> are going to come after Your me. Flock. Yes. Yes, I had a perfect idea of everything. And so, so, so that, you know, that was, you know, who I was 14 years ago, really. And because I, I was able to, quote, quote, control, there's that word again, everything else in my life. If I wanted to do well in school, I studied really hard. If I wanted to make you know, the cheerleading team, if I wanted to, you know, if I wanted to play first clarinet in the, you know, whatever marching band I did, I studied, I worked hard. So I'm like, you can, you can make things happen with it. Like I can do it myself. I don't really need anyone else to um, assist me so much. I can figure it out. If I want to get that job, I will get that job. If I want to get into the college that I want to get into the college, I will get into the college. Because you have all the tools. I have all the tools. Right. So I just felt like it was the same with parenting. So if I need my child to do something, I will just study and learn and train my child to do the things that I need her to do. And furthermore, what society needs her to do, whatever it is. Right. So I learned very quickly on that, you know, 
forget about it. Because, you know, as soon as Arizona was born, she just commanded so much attention. You know, she was a fussy, fussy, fussy child. She had loud wailing cries all day. Turns out she was allergic to, you know, almost everything under the sun. You know, at one point she was allergic to everything that was orange, beta carotene. So, oh, you know, she couldn't have like sweet potatoes and carrots. And But, you know, how did I know? You know, all the baby food is like mashed up sweet potatoes and carrots and maybe some beets thrown in. So I, you know, I was like, oh, okay. And so that was the first sort of very challenging journey for me was realizing that I have this child with, you know, myriad food allergies. She was covered head to toe in eczema, rashes. She was so uncomfortable. And that probably took a year and a half to figure out. Um, exactly what she was alerted to, and then slowly eliminate um, foods from her her body. So that was my first sort of foray into, oh, this is a different kind of parenting. I can't, how am I supposed to fix that? I can't fix this, you know? And I mean, I can certainly learn how to change her diet, but I can't fix, you know, her inability to process certain foods, right? So that that was that. Um, And so that you know, sort of began the journey of, I I call it my letter A journey because all of her diagnoses to this point have all happened to start with the letter A. And, um, you know, coming full circle now, I'm just like, well, A is for Arizona, you know? Yeah, because that, you know, that's the name of my memoir that I have been working on for seven years. But uh, that's a a emotional book to write, but... The, the world awaits that memoir, Susanna, because yes. it's, just, it's, mm-hmm. it's your your ability to articulate and, and to really be open about the subtle and the nuances and the emotional, um, you know, uh, fe- the feelings that come up with being the mother of Arizona. Mm-hmm. I love that title, A is for Arizona. We will all watch out for that book when it mm-hmm. comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you today. Mm-hmm. You today. And, and I, I, I'm asking two questions, two-part question. One is... What traits do you have in yourself today? Do you identify in yourself today that you did not exercise or strengthen until the arrival of Arizona? And then my second question is going to be, what have you done with your wisdom Hmm. and how are you paying it forward? Mm -hmm. And feel free to Mm -hmm. brag. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes, we we all need to hear what Susanna's My wisdom uh, by way of, you know, lived experience, you know, second by second every day. What I have learned... Or, or who I am now that's different than who I was 14 years ago is someone who is just more sort of able to be sort of in flow in terms of releasing, you know, as much control as I possibly can around what I want things to look like and how I want things to be. So I have to release so many, expe- I've had to release so many expectations for my child, but it, it really has been this very parallel journey because as I have learned to fall in love with my child for exactly who she is, I've also internally, you know, done the work like, oh, but I'm, there's nothing broken with me either. I mean, it's really this beautiful thing. And so as I'm learning to take care of the little girl that I was, you know, 35 years, you know, 40 years ago, I am realizing and understanding what that, you know, five-year-old needed. Um, And I'm able to apply that now toward my parenting of my specific child, who also happens to be a daughter, who also happens to be like my spitting image. It's really quite phenomenal, this sort of spiritual journey that I've been able to be on 
with her. And um, I am a completely different person in terms of just believing in, you know, possibilities above and beyond myself. I mean, you know, it is autism to me is just this, you know, majestic and beautiful expression of diversity, you know, and I, I am honored to be sort of walking this walk with my child and and really being able to support and honor her in her expression, which, by the way, is not always appropriate and is not always easy. You know, I mean, the things that come out of her mouth, I mean, (laughs) I am, you know, I am so grateful that she is so, I'm so grateful that she can communicate with me verbally. And the words that come out of this child's mouth, you're just like, you know, I want to cut your head off and dribble it like a basketball. You're the worst mother in the, you know, yesterday doing homework. She was just not having it. You know, and the things that came out of her mouth, like, just darts at me. I was like, ouch. And, you know, we I've learned to respond like there's something deeper than those words, right? So it's like, okay, good to know. Let's talk about it. She's like, well, I'm just really frustrated. And, you know, so I'm giving – I'm eight, I've been – I've learned how to give her the space to express herself, like, full – like, whatever comes out of your mouth, you're not in trouble. Let's talk about it. Let's write about it. Let's sing about it. Let's draw about it. Whatever it is, let's get it out. And I did not have that outlet as a child. And so – and I think a lot of us do not have that opportunity to fully express, right? Fully express. And so – my um, work with her is to be able to hold that space for her in her full expression. And then also I have learned as well to equally be able to fully express myself, which is, you know, sometimes not easy, you know. Express yourself to your daughter. Express yourself to others yes. as the mother of Arizona and what her needs and your needs via her needs are, right? And this idea—I mean, that this idea of space—it brings me back to the beginning of our conversation, actually, when you were talking about would you like chips, and it was only when Arizona was in her room, far away, that you heard her from the other room, you know, as she's facing the wall, saying yes. Yes. That's space. So there's physical space, and there's also clearly you're articulating the the opening, the broadening of your construct, you know, the space in your mind, the way you, the lens you look in the world, that the world has been broadened, to say the least, right? Because possibility, space and possibility, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. Like like there are different, if I, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, I'm trying to actually hopefully sum up what you just really were, were, were teaching us, which is your sense of your awareness of possibility mm-hmm. has grown mm-hmm. tremendously mm-hmm. like almost like anything is possible because look at the lens through which Arizona is viewing the world mm-hmm. it's certainly not the lens in which you look at the world and you were brought up to look in the world yet what a beautiful lens and what a beautiful world yeah yes yes breathtakingly so really i mean i am in awe you know to just be in that with her and and by the way I have also taught everyone around her to be in that with her as well. And so talk about paying it forward. I I feel like that is the way I think in which I have been able to really spread, you know, sort of awareness and acceptance around my daughter, around autism, around different. And, um, you know, I 
uh, was uh, married for a while, and um, Arizona's father and I um, were divorced and separated, so it's been about seven years now. And so during that period of time, I really leaned on my girlfriends, and I have an amazing um, support of, you know, tribe around me. And so my girlfriends are all of Arizona's aunties. So they just have learned how to just be with her and respond to her and express with her and receive and, you know, not take things personally and just like go through that process. I mean, they, they it has been life changing for them as well, you know, whether they're mothers or not, you know. So it's just the the gift <laughs> that keeps on going, right? You know, we're doing a big um, Lunar New Year feast on Sunday with Happy New Year, by the way. Thank you, yeah. thank you, thank you. You're yeah. the rat. Yes, yes. And um, I am have just a bunch of girlfriends coming over, and we're gonna do you know a little sort of council ceremony and circle around just intention and all of these things. And Arizona will you know be very participatory, and it's just you know I, I just feel like I'm just living this you know purposeful life. Sometimes when I'm just not even sure what I'm doing, you know, every day, what am I doing with my life, you know. So I, you know, I'm so grateful for these experiences and for what Arizona has brought. I just feel so much more present in my life. Like in every, I feel so grateful for the tiniest little things, you know. I I just really do not take one little tiny thing for granted, you know. And, And that has how, and Arizona has shown me that. Because I think without her, I would still be like, go, 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 you know, um, so overachiever, whatever, just go get her just nonstop. And this has allowed me, she has allowed me to, to take a, take a breath. You know. Beautifully said. I mean, just in, in the, the, uh, incorporation of purpose as well here. I just, I just finished a book actually by William Damon, who's of no relation to me actually, mm. but he's a professor up at Stanford and he has a book called the path to purpose. And it's a book about the importance of purpose in all of our lives. And you know, what happens when you suddenly find yourself disconnected from your job and from your world? And in your, you are wondering that question when you wake up in the morning, like, you know, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? Purpose is actually everything. Mm-hmm. And a, a gift, one of the gifts that Arizona has given you, I'm hearing, is this sense of purpose. Every day, you've got this sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. I am the mother of Arizona. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I imagine every parent, you know, would feel a sense of purpose, a, a similar sense of purpose. In your in your particular situation, you're you're, you're you've taken this purpose, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you have actually paid it forward. We'll mm-hmm. say it again to others, and and, and also in a formal way. Mm-hmm. So, if you can take a few moments and and kind of share with listeners and viewers here, what what have you done with this um, concretely, and mm-hmm. how can people benefit from your wisdom, Susanna, mm-hmm. outside of this podcast? Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. So I, you know. Um, I am an advocate, right, for special needs families, but specifically I'm a life coach for special needs families and that's sort of a broad term and and comes in different modalities. But I you know, I work with families one-to-one. Really my passion, honestly, Nate, mm-hmm. is to work with the parents, um, to allow them to realize that their life is not necessarily going to be put on hold, right? There is also so much um, availability to them in terms of, you know, finding their own passion, their own outlet for creativity, their own outlet for expression, all of that. And and I, I, you know, teach what I most need to learn and what I'm currently learning, which is, 
you know, there is so much possibility for my child, yes, and also for me, too. And so I, that is what I teach to um, my, the families that work with me, the, the parents that work with me. I actually just um, uh, launched my first online course, which is all about, um, it's called Life Management for Special Needs Families, an ultimate resource guide for creating a thriving life. And so I talk a lot about logistical, you know, practical hints and tips of sort of getting through this journey. But I also really tap into emotional self-care, spiritual practice in terms of really just, you know, honoring not only our child for who they are, but also honoring ourselves for who, you know, we are. And so, um, you know, that is available. I use a platform called Teachable Dot com and it's been just a great uh, platform for me. Um, and I'm a blogger, and I'm finishing up my memoir, right? So A is for Arizona. A is for Arizona. I know. Remember, I was telling you about it like five years ago. Yeah. So I, you know, <laughs> all of these things. You know, I wrote a little handbook on my top seven tips for self care as a special needs parent. I have. How can you know, we? How can we access that handbook? So I actually have, you know, digital copy um, that is. Available if you email me. My website is SusannaPeaceLavelle.com. And so you can pretty much reach, um, you know, everything you need to get. I think I – do I have stuff about my class up there? Yeah, well, I will. Yes. So – but anyway, I am – I just want to help everyone. I just want everyone to feel so honored and joyful that – that these perfectly intact souls have cho- chosen us to be their parents. I mean, I really, it is, it is, it, it, we should just really stop and take a minute and be like, wow, we were entrusted with, with this, you know? How amazing is this? Y- your sister chose you to be, you know, her brother. Like, really, your nieces, you know, chose you to be their uncle. Like, how, how come on, like, <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> take a minute to really let this sink in and i love that your work is with with other parents of special needs children particularly parents of special needs children your it focuses on how that unique parenting relationship has connects with their own self-discovery mm-hmm. and through, and clearly, through this whole conversation, it's clear that, that what Arizona has taught you about you, mm-hmm. right, and your focus on, on, on the parents, on getting to know not just your child and their individuality, but yourself along the way. What a gift. Yes. Yes. And I'm living it. And so, you're living it. So I yep. feel like something's working because I, I'm the happiest I've ever been in my entire life. Like, something's got to be working, right? And I, I, I was also... You know, the most miserable I'd ever been in my entire life, you know, not too long ago, yes. Nat. So I really am like, okay, if I can just share a piece of the joy that I feel in my life with just somebody else, then I'm going to, you know, climb to the highest mountaintop and, you know, just share everything I can possibly share uh, with everyone who is ready to receive it. Well, Susanna Peace Lavelle sharing a piece, many pieces <laughs> of your joy uh, today's today's in today's beautiful beautiful conversation. I'm gonna I'm gonna conclude us um, unless there's anything you feel like you've left out uh, in terms of just okay perfect. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave us with two quotes mm-hmm. um, that I, I 
discovered when I was kind of preparing for our conversation. And mm-hmm. Jean Vanier, I don't know if you've if you've heard of Jean Vanier. He's he just passed away about a year ago. Actually, it was I think June of 2019, so last year. And he was French. He grew up in France, and he was a Catholic priest who noticed that um, the tragedy of back in the 40s, 50s, 60s in France, most many, if not you know, many kids uh, who had special needs and were falling behind, quote unquote, were moved to institutions, right? Yes. Totally dehumanizing. And that's a whole other dark, scary side of, of, mm-hmm. of what, how, we'll also look at how we've evolved. But anyhow, mm-hmm. Jean, and, and partially due to Jean Vanier, who said, this must stop. This is absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. You don't treat human beings as, we are all creatures of God. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. so he started this organization called L'Arche, okay, Art, the Ark, or the bridge. And and what he did is he set up, and now this is in 30 countries around the world, um, including the U.S. and Mexico and France and uh, 27 other countries, which is he set up these residential areas where adults with special needs live, coexist with normally functioning, I don't know how we call ourselves, but mm-hmm. people who are not diagnosed with special needs. And they live their adult years in community, mm-hmm. in concert with mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. And the, I mean, just I, I encourage anybody to read about what Jean Vanier has done with L'Arche and, and the impact it's wow. had and the wow. human-to-human connection and the lessons learned so much more from people like you and from me. On both sides. On both sides. Yeah. It's, it's yes. Du- yes. dual. Um, yes. So just two, two quotes I'll leave us mm-hmm. with and just for us all to kind of ponder and meditate on um, after this ends. Number one is from his book called Becoming Human. To reveal someone's beauty is to reveal their value by giving them time, attention, and tenderness. To love is not just to do something for them, but to reveal to them their own uniqueness, to tell them that they are special and worthy of attention. Goes both ways. Goes both ways. Wow. Right? Yes. What you've learned through Arizona about your own uniqueness and that you are special in your way, Mm -hmm. Susanna. Mm -hmm. And obviously the way you've shown Arizona how unique and beautiful she is. Mm -hmm. And then number two is this book that you wrote called Eruption to Hope. Quote, Living in a society where simplicity has been submerged by criticism and sometimes by hypocrisy, is it not comforting to find people who can be aware and who can marvel? Their open natures are made for communion and love. Wowzers. Amaze. Right? Yeah, amazing. Open, broadening, uh, just everything we talked about. Yes. Wow. So we'll leave it with those two quotes Mm -hmm. and with all the wisdom and, and, and just incredible just conversation with you Susanna today thank you so much for being a guest Mm -hmm. on Reach Teach Talk it's been really special having you here thank you for having me Nat wonderful yeah you've been listening to Reach Teach Talk with Nat Damon if you'd like to recommend a guest for a future episode you can send your suggestion or questions to nat at reachacademics.com